When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Give me one shot here on a blue chip stock. Believe me, Kevin. The only problem you're gonna have is that you didn't buy more. Nobody knows if the stock is gonna go up, down, sideways, or in circles. What's going on, NBA draft fans? Your boys are back. The Wolves of Ball Street here with possibly the most anticipated episode of the 2021 NBA draft season. My name is Corey Tulliba. I am here, as always, with my co-host, Albert Gim. Together, we make up the Draft Act podcast. Albert, how we doing today, bud? Ah, uh, ah, uh, dude. Are you kidding me? Like, my mom, I used to always hear this growing up. It's not how you, it's not how you start. It's how you finish. And the genius of Corey Tulliba to keep Cade till the very end, right before the draft. This is why you are Professor Tulliba, because <laughs> we are about to finish so damn strong because we've got the best player in this draft. And Corey, I'm ready because I think it's freaking hilarious how suddenly people want to be like, you know, the gap between Cade Cunningham and everyone else, isn't it? Get the hell out of here. Corey, you and I today, our mission is to shut all those people up. Our mission today is to shed light on the different areas of Cade Cunningham that people have decided to neglect for some reason and want to like nitpick at his game and bring him down as if he's like a 1A and not a bona fide number one. Mm. Corey, that is why we are here. Cade Cunningham is a freaking awesome player and will be the clear number one player. So we're here to finish strong, Corey. LFG, let's fucking go. All right, Cade Cunningham. Wing at Oklahoma State, 19 years old on draft day, six foot eight, 220 pounds, with a reported seven foot wingspan. Oh, yeah. Crafted in a lab. 20.1 points per game, 6.1 rebounds, three and a half assists to four turnovers. That's one of the points of contention with this kid. 1.6 steals, 0.8 blocks, shot 44% from the field, 40% from three, 85% shooting splits. 57% true shooting percentage. He was the Sporting News Freshman of the Year. The U.S. Basketball Writers Association Freshman of the Year. The National Association of Basketball Coaches Freshman of the Year. He was 2020 Mr. Basketball USA. 2020 Naismith Player of the Year. Big 12 Player of the Year. A McDonald's All-American. He was the alpha dog on the gold medal USA under 19 team. Cade Cunningham is a fucking G. Yes. Preseason rankings. Bleacher Report. Had him at one. Easy. ESPN. Had him at one. Oh, yeah. SB Nation. Had him at one. He was the consensus number one prospect in the draft. Currently, Bleacher Report has him at one. ESPN has him at one. SB Nation has him at one. The Draft Act has him at one. Albert, any guesses where the ringer has him? I actually haven't looked. Is it one? It's one. <laughs> that means that he has a average stock price of one. Oh, yeah. Preseason, postseason, our guy Cade never wavered. Everyone's got him at one, all of the major outlets. So, Albert, is mm-hmm. Cade Cunningham stock price too high, too low, or is it just right? Corey, you and I have so much respect for Chad Ford. We do. Chad Ford, the OG of the big boards of the mock drafts. We love it all. I I just, I Chad, if you're listening to this, I do want to say, I want to start off by saying, I really do respect you, sir. I'm going to call you sir, because you you know, you are my elder. You are an OG here, but I, I just, I'm really upset with you, Mr. Ford. I'm upset because Cade Cunningham with everything that you just went over Corey, his resume, his rankings, he is number one. My problem with Chad Ford right now is he keeps portraying him and talking about him in the last three, four weeks as if he's a 1A. I don't like that. There's no 1A, 1B here. He is 
number one. So, Corey, to answer your question, for me, his stock is too low because Chad Four calls him a 1A. He's a one. <laughs> Cade Cunningham is a one. He is a one. Chad, I think, just released what he would do with the draft. He did have him at one. But Chad's been trying to play devil's advocate, which is fine. Look, we, yeah. you know, you get sometimes with these prospects, you know, we want to go real deep and try to figure out are they really number one? Um, Cade's, he's a legit number one, man. He's yeah. legit number one. I, I would say it's just right that he's number one. I want to say it's too low. Because, but there's no number that he could possibly go higher. So I guess I have to say, uh, it's just right. I want to start with Cade's scoring package. Okay. He's a consensus number one guy. He's got all the hype. Does he really have special scoring ability? <sighs> yes. Yes, sorry. Why am I contemplating this? I, 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 I'm just kind of like loading up right now, Corey, to give you all the crap. Like, I wrote more notes about Cade than any other prospect. Like, I, I went to it. town on Cade. And so, is he, well, what was your question again? I'm lost now. Is he a special scoring prospect? Special, 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 special. And I'm going to go into detail later. But my biggest point with Cade, and the reason why I'm such a believer in him being a special scorer is because I think he is a mid-range technician and I love mid-range technicians and most of the elite scorers in our league have the mid-range in their game and that's why I love Kata Cunningham. So yes, I think he's a special scorer. Yeah, the mid-range, we've, look, we saw how important it was. We just watched Chris Middleton go ham in the mid-range. We watched Devin Booker do work in the mid-range. We watched Chris Paul thrive in a series changing way in the mid-range the mid-range game is of the utmost importance in the playoffs and Cade's got that look this kid looks like and plays like the guy that you would create in 2k like this is what you want my player to look like it starts with the off the bounce game you know I've been comparing Cade a little bit to Jason Tatum Mm. offensively he has that smoothness to him you know, like, and, and it starts in the mid range and because he's able to get a shot off anytime he wants, man, he's got a deep bag of combo moves to get his jumper off from anywhere on the floor. Uh, and that's in the mid range. That's from deep. Um, and it's interesting because Cade came into the year with a questionable jump shot. That was the thing. Like, is he going to be able to knock down enough jumpers to live up to that number one pick hype? And, like, he blew people out of the water with that jumper. And mm-hmm. it's not like it's not like it should be – I don't think anybody's debating that at this point. But, I mean, 40% from three on, like, six attempts a game, yeah. 85% from the free throw line. So there's no, like, Davion Mitchell question marks. So you're telling me that he came in with a questionable jumper. He was already the number one consensus guy. And he proved that the jumper's for real this year? Like, fuck yeah, man. Sign me up. Sign me up. <laughs> he was the best ISO guy in college basketball. Mm-hmm. He's the best ISO, ISO scorer in college basketball. I mean, no matter how tightly guarded he is, he's capable of r- rising up and getting that jumper off. He just, mm-hmm. I mean, it's at his size at 6'8", with the seven-foot wingspan, that's fucking, that's fucked up. That's mm-hmm. fucked up. That's, there's, <laughs> Cade's, He's legit, man. And Corey, the funny thing is, I I think like sometimes people like to portray isolation scorers as if it's like a bad thing. And it's like, do you guys not watch playoff basketball? Like a lot of your points at the end of the game are going to come out of ISO. You need yeah. guys who can go and get you a goddamn bucket. And Kate Cunningham's like, yeah, I can do that. Like, uh, I'm kind of good at that. And right. I have yeah, kind of every, every goddamn skill you guys might want. I'm also a freaking unbelievably gifted passer. And also, guys, one more thing. I did want to tell you this. Um, I'm strong as hell. The thing that I love about Cade Cunningham, and I wrote, like, dude, I I went extensively on his strength because, Corey, can I just really quickly kind of just take this moment to talk about this? Because sure, you mentioned Tatum, and you mentioned his game is similar to Tatum. I compared him to Tatum in a different way. 
I think he's like Tatum because he has Tatum like shoulders. You mm-hmm. see it already as a college freshman. He's got those nice, wide, broad shoulders, right? That are kind of like boulders at the end. And you know that he's just going to grow and develop. And those shoulders are going to get even broader and stronger. And the funny thing is, Corey, I, I want to hear how you feel about this too, because I, the thing that I don't understand is that when people t- try to attack Cade, they say stuff like, oh, you know, you know, mostly uh, a lot of the bully ball. You know, he does a lot of bully ball. And how's that going to transition to the I'm like, time out. When did being strong become a weakness? Like the way that they're <laughs> explaining things is weird to me. Like they're almost making it seem like it's a limit to his game. And I'm like, guys, he's really strong and he can move people. But also he... As we mentioned, 40% three-point shooter. You and I freaking love free-throw shooters. He shot 85% from the free-throw line. So he can dribble, pass, and shoot, right? Shots to Jalen Rose. He's a dribble, pass, and shoot guy who's strong as hell. Why is that bad? I can't understand that. Like, okay, because he doesn't have the first step of a Davion Mitchell or all these other guys who have amazing first steps, that hurts him? I don't understand that at all. Does that mean he's a freaking tortoise and he can't move and he's slow? No, he's smooth. He's smart. He's savvy and he is strong as hell. So my thing with him is like, why did we find ourselves like in this place where it's like, it's become almost like a misnomer. Like, oh, you know, he just bullies people. He's just strong. It's like, yeah, he's strong. He's goddamn strong. And that's why he's awesome. Because he's strong and gifted and talented and smart. Like, why did that become a bad thing? I'm sorry, Corey. Anyway, so for me, I did want to say that. Like, he, he's just, I hate the fact that the, people are using his strength against him. Like, that's, I'm like, logically, I can't wrap my head around that. And I absolutely hate that, that weird narrative that's going around. You're right. It, why, it shouldn't be a weakness. Like, he's 19. He was a freshman and he's bullying guys that are older than him, you know, like, right. and, and he's 19. You think this is his peak strength? Like you, you just think he's, he's done developing. His body is what it is. He's not going to get with NBA trainers and just be a fucking brick wall when he gets to the NBA eventually. Like he's going to get stronger. He's going to get stronger. It's at a point with prospects and we saw it with Luka Doncic. Yes. So many of the same things. People overthink these things. Okay. And Cade is one of these guys too. Like when you think the game fast, you could play the game slow. You could play at your own pace. He has physical tools size wise that other guys don't have. He doesn't need to use elite burst to get to the hoop. He can use his skill. He can use his ball handling. He could use uh, you know, different ways to come off screens. He could back guys down in the post on mismatches. He could do all these different things to get to the hoop, and then he could put his shoulder into you and finish or draw a foul. He's not contact averse. You know, this is a guy, like we talked about Jalen Suggs. Like sometimes he tries to do like up and unders, these little like crafty finishes. Kate will go through you. He'll put his shoulder down and go right into your chest, and that's going to be unbelievably valuable. And like, let's, let's forget Luca because you know, the Luca stuff, Lucas turned himself into this like potentially all time guy, you know, depending on how much team success he ends up having, having, he's going to be one of the best, you know, basketball players of all time. If he wins a couple of championships. So that's, that's lofty expectations to set onto anybody, but a lot people said a lot of the same things about him. They said he plays too slow. You know, they said, like, maybe he's just bigger than people. And when he gets to the NBA, he's not going to be able to do the same thing. And guess what? He's able to do it. He's Mm -hmm. able to get to his spots on the floor. He's still bigger than people. And Mm Cade will still be bigger than people. Because when you get to the NBA, your body's going to develop in that way. So, and look, Albert, I mean, we've heard this narrative that Cade is slow. We've heard that he can't dribble. Oh my God. That's like a big thing going around. Like his handle is so, so sloppy in a league where a player like Kyle Anderson is able to get mm-hmm. to his spots. Is Kate Cunningham going to be able to get to the hoop in the NBA? Oh my God. Come on. I, 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 my thing is, I just, I don't get it. Like, okay. 
Now, I, I don't want to I don't want to spend the whole episode just like crapping on the people who are trying to play devil's advocate. I, I think it's a noble thing. I think you guys are trying to be different. I think that's cool. My thing is like Cade's not going to have a problem. He's not. He's just not going to have a problem. We mentioned the strength. We mentioned the savvy, the ball handling. Like, OK, yeah, yeah. Maybe there are times when he got a little sloppy, got a little bit. of He got a little bit loose. Can we also add some context, though? Um, he didn't really have a lot of help at Oklahoma State. No, nope. he was kind of relied on to do everything. Uh, and something that doesn't get talked about enough is like people. I don't know. Like I've heard some people like say some stuff about his defense. Like, you know, he kind of did a lot defensively, too. And they relied on him a lot defensively, too. And he was expected to do a lot because we talked about on the Jalen Suggs pod. You know, if you're the best player, a lot is expected of you with with great responsibility comes no no no. with great power comes great responsibility uncle ben right yeah there it is right (laughs) and and i think and i think like that's kind of Cade, right he so no Corey, easy answer Cade's not gonna have trouble getting to his spots he's gonna use strength he's gonna use savvy he's gonna use his handle he's gonna use angles he's gonna use so many different things to get to exactly where he needs to and i have no doubt in my mind that he's gonna be totally fine totally fine and you're Corey. What you're saying is spot on. It's the overthinking type of thing. It's overthinking. It's overthinking. It's almost a lock to me that this guy is going to be an elite scorer in this league. And we're, we're really just nitpicking at this point. And that's just hurting you. If you can't see the forest beyond the trees, that's on you. Because this guy is an unbelievable player. Well, like you said, there's something to doing your due diligence uh, and not anointing somebody as special. Or as this great number one pick without digging in and and watching with your own eyes. So there's something, you know, like it's especially if you're an NBA team, it's imperative if you're the Detroit Pistons to do your homework and and ask the questions. Okay, everybody says he's great, great, great. What are his flaws? So that's important. But like you said, it gets to a point where you become a nitpicker. And that's what we're doing a lot with Cade. We're nitpicking. Like, look, the the four turnovers a game, right? That's a that is a high number. But like you said, and then part of that is he needs to tighten up the handle. He needs to fix some of his quote unquote weaknesses. He's not a perfect prospect. There very rarely is. You know, even uh, a guy like LeBron, who maybe is the most perfect prospect you know, we've had in however many years, like even he had things that people questioned about LeBron. And no, I don't think Cade is a LeBron level prospect. That is, you you know, before he had played an NBA game, people thought, does LeBron have potential to be the greatest player of all time? Right. And he's done his best to live up to that hype. And not many people would have. Um, But with Cade, he is a guy that is hyped up as a guy who could potentially be an all NBA player for years. And to me, he showed me all of the skills that I needed to see to live up to the hype. I think he's a guy that is going to live up to the hype. And I, the nitpicking to me and the overthinking, I think it's crazy. Like when I heard the comparison to OJ Mayo, I was like, wait, what? OJ Mayo? Crap. And and this is where, like, stats will be misleading. Like, OJ Mayo was an undersized guard Mm -hmm. who was, like, athletic, but not like Russell Westbrook. Mm -hmm. Cade Cunningham has all of the requisite size that you're expecting from a guy of his skill level. And not only that, like, he's a guy that to me, has an NBA game playing in college basketball. Mm-hmm. It has nothing to do with like him having a size advantage over college players. He just, his game screams NBA to me. Mm-hmm. So the OJ Mayo stuff, and this is where the overthinking is too far. Mm-hmm. Oh, like, and, 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 you know, I, I don't know. I, I the OJ Mayo thing. I was like, all right, I, now, now I can't handle, I can't handle the, 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 the nitpicking. No, dude, I was with you. I was, I was driving my car. I was driving in my car. I heard that and I started screaming. Like I, I just, 
OJ Mayo of all comparisons? <laughs> Dude, Corey, am I crazy? Or did I hear him say that OJ Mayo and Cade, the similarities was that they were bigger than other players in co- in college? Did he say, did he really say that about I, OJ? I think that might've been. Right? I think I'm he might've said that. I'm pretty sure I heard him say, I'm like, wait, wait, time out. Like, OJ Mayo was bigger than other guys? Like, his body and frame is nothing like Cade's. Cade is number one, legit six eight with a seven foot wingspan. But like I just mentioned, he has man shoulders. Like he's yeah. absolutely he's the antithesis to Zaire Williams. Exactly. He's as far got... as shoulders go. <laughs> <laughs> he's got a huge upper body and number one. And also, Corey, we mentioned this before. I think you mentioned this in passing. The thing is, you can have the physical gifts and not use it. He uses it. Cade freaking uses it. So uh, once again, I, I don't want to mention the guy's name who said all this about Cade, but the OJ stuff is absolutely ridiculous. Like I, I can't, I can't freaking see that at all. And I think, ah, oh, Jesus. Okay, okay, yeah. But we'll keep going. We'll keep going. I don't want to dwell too much on that. And like yeah. you said, Corey, it is honorable. Like I, I don't want to just like shit on people who are doing this. Like I get it. Like you guys really do want to add. It, if you believe it and you're saying it with your chest, then like, right, yeah. Okay. But if you're doing yeah, it, yeah. if you're doing it to be different, yeah, it's a problem because it's disingenuous. If this is what yeah. you saw and what you believe, that's what makes NBA draft scouting fun. <laughs> it's what makes it fun. We all see different things on tape sometimes, and we're right. on different islands, and we're willing to go to bat for different people. Mm-hmm. And hey, maybe maybe you end up looking like an absolute genius, and you end up right. you know uh, working in an NBA front office because you called it right. Yeah. But I sure as shit ain't putting uh, my name on that yeah. because I think that this kid is just a slap you right in the face, obvious superstar franchise changer, changing player. But let's uh, let, yeah. let's let's talk about, you know, some of the 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 skills and, and the things that we haven't hit yet. OK, so Cade Cade averaged three and a half assists a game. Not like, a lot, you know, crazy assist numbers for a guy who was heralded as a big time playmaker. He averaged four turnovers a game, so negative assist-to-turnover ratio. This is one of the big points of contention for you know all the people that are anti-Cade right now. For a guy who is like this jumbo playmaker, and that's his selling point, what led to like this weird statistical scenario? <laughs> I think it's an anomaly, dude. I think it's an anomaly. Corey, on the next level, we'll never, literally, Cade Cunningham will never have a season like that in the next level. I, and I say that with a lot of confidence. I think, look, I, I think, Corey, what you mentioned before with the whole OJ Mayo thing, like numbers and numbers and numbers and numbers are great, analytics are great. But the thing, I think the reason why people cu- keep coming back to the Draft Act NBA podcast is because, Corey, you and I, we really try our best to merge the two. I think we try to do numbers, but we also try to do eye tests. And the thing with Cade Cunningham and his uh, negative assist to turnover ratio, a lot of that in my mind is eye test. I think you need to watch these games, guys. I think you need to really give Cade a, a full watch in the in the games that he was playing. He is a guy who was on a team where he did not have a lot of help. And I don't want to say, like, I, I hate saying that sometimes because, like, then it really does disparage his teammates. But, like, at the same time, you kind of can't not mention it. His team was not good. He did not play on a good team. And there were a lot of times where some people can fault him for, but he did try really hard to make things happen. And sometimes those led to mistakes. Sometimes those things led to turnovers. His 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 willingness to go and try things led to turnovers at times. And I think, you know, you can look at that in two different ways you could say like oh he's too eager oh he's trying too hard he's got to play within himself and it's like mm, we're talking about a number one option here sometimes you got to try to you, sometimes you also have to try to play outside of yourself if you're the lead guy sometimes you got to go outside of the box and try something different and be bold and courageous to do something that's a little bit of, that's a little bit wild and that's how you get genius you get genius from the people who do things outside of the box. You get genius from the people who try to think differently from other people. And I think that's why, for me, Corey, I'm going to go against the grain here and say his negative tur- turnover to assist ratio, that tells me he's a genius. That tells me that he is unafraid. That tells me that he is a number one option that you should be betting your last dollar on because he's a guy who's going to try stuff. 
he's a guy who's going to be unafraid. And so, Corey, that's that's my spiel on that. Like, I, I look at that and I laugh and I say, if you're taking that as a negative, then I think you're looking at this wrong, all wrong. I see that as a positive. I see that as him being a guy who tried to make stuff happen. And I want a guy like that on my team as a number one pick. As do I. As does every single franchise that exists in the NBA and even the ones that no longer exist. Uh, I think they would also appreciate a player like Kate Cunningham. Cause like you said, it's context. It's watching the film. Like he did not play with good players. And like it, the fact that like he did certain things, like almost single-handedly beat Baylor. I mean, he beat they Oklahoma state beat Baylor, the national champions. Oh, yeah. um, but like, Basically, he was being pressured anytime he he touched the ball. Anytime there was a ball screen, he was pretty much blitzed and they sent two to the ball. So like for me at the college level, you know, and look, most good playmakers are going to have lower assist numbers in college than they will in the NBA. One assists are a little bit more are pretty generous in the NBA and two you just have better players so you're going to have better assist numbers but like he's making reads to to guys who are missing shots just like any other you know good playmaker in college but the other thing like he literally was I I hadn't seen anybody else in college who teams tried to take the ball out of his hands more than Cade He, he literally would just teams would fire ball screens on him and he'd have to get rid of it and in the NBA you can't do that because the NBA, there's too much space and the players are too good. And if you're going to send two at Cade consistently game after game and you have somebody who can make a play out of the short roll and get downhill and play Draymond and just be four on three and there's so much of that action in the NBA these days, it's impossible to play like that before you have to alter your defensive strategy. He He's going to be, you know, he's, again, that size, that, is apparently not good. Like that size allows him to see over these double teams and get rid of the ball. And yeah, sometimes when you're getting heavily blitzed, when you're getting heavily doubled, you are going to turn the ball over. You are going to make a bad pass. That's the whole point of it. But there are other times when in doing that, when you don't turn it over and you can get rid of it quickly, like Cade can and see over that defense and make these simple plays just to get the the ball out at the NBA level, teams are going to make you pay. So, I, I mean, I, I don't want to be playing four on three consistently uh, against you know the Detroit Pistons uh, as they continue to build out their team, so I don't think that's going to work. Yeah, I, I he's going to have to tighten his handle a little bit, but he's not a finished product. He's not, and again, he's not going to have he's not going to be as consistently pressured as he was able to be pressured in college. And it's funny, you know, going back to the Baylor game, and you know, I, I did a, a whole video on Davion Mitchell mm-hmm. and Cade Cunningham matched up, and the point of the video was to show how good of a defender Davion was. And a lot of people would like tag me on the internet when they were like the anti-Cade people. And they'd, they'd tag me and they'd tag like their buddy. And they'd be like, see, I told you Cade isn't that good. Look at oh Davion Mitchell, shut him down. And I'm like, the whole point of the video is that Cade A still got his. He just found opportune moments especially like he was smart enough to get into quick offense when like on cross matches and transition and any opportunity he can get where he wasn't guarded by Davion. And two, he was hitting tough shots over Davion Mitchell. And the point was that like Davion Mitchell, even at six foot one was able to make a guy like Cade Cunningham work. So it wasn't even to disparage Cade. If you watch that video, you can get both that Cade is still going to be one of these guys who can get his points, even when he's made to work hard. And two, that Davion Mitchell is going to be a multiple position defender who is going to make the most elite scorers work their tail off just to get their numbers instead of making it easy. It was a positive for both guys. And some and some people took that as me disparaging Cade and his offensive capabilities, and it wasn't that at all. I fully believe that Cade is going to be able to get his against anybody um, in the NBA, especially as he gets into his prime. Right. Dude, uh, 
God. I think you know what it is, Corey. People see and hear what they want to hear. So it's fine. I, I can understand why people took your video and totally misunderstood things. I think it's hilarious. But, you know, right now we're kind of getting into the hard, hard data type of stuff. But I think there's some soft data type of stuff with K too, like that game that you mentioned against Baylor. The thing about K that I want to say, and maybe this is like the tagline for him. I think Cade Cunningham, he doesn't just close games. He ends them. He's a game ender. He, he absolutely knows how to rise to the occasion and just yeah. shut the door, slam the door and say, this game is over. And that's a special, special gift and a special ability because people can take that and misunderstand it and be like, oh, so you're saying he's just going to hit clutch shots. No, what I'm saying is he's going to end games. And what I mean by that is he's going to make game ending plays on both ends of the floor, either as a scorer, a passer, defender, rebounder, free throw maker, whatever that is. He's going to end games. And if you're talking about trying to build out a team to eventually become a title contender, like like the Detroit Pistons at number one, imagine two years ago, Corey, and the lack of young talent. I think Mike Schmitz was talking about this, right? He's like, this was a team that had no young talent. And look at where they'll be now. I, dude, I resonated with that so hard. I was like, wow. Like to go from having just like not much, maybe like Sekou Dumbuya alone, and to yeah. now have Killian Hayes, Isaiah Stewart, Sadiq Bey, and Cade Cunningham, what a come up, right? But my thing with Cade is like, yeah, I love everything that you said. And, and offensively too, Corey, maybe this is a good time we start getting into like his offense, like his scoring, whatever. I, I wanted to talk about his shooting. Um, I wanted to hear, I, I'm really curious to hear your thoughts on his shooting because the numbers are amazing. Right. As you mentioned, um, he I also love the fact he got to the line pretty much six times a game in college. Mm -hmm. I love that. I love that. And I think he's just going to use that to his advantage in the next uh, on the next level because he got to the line six times a game and he shot 85 percent from the free throw line. Beautiful. Yeah. That's yeah. beautiful. And number. and the thing that I loved about him, something that I had in, in my notes, um, I really like the fact that because like, you know, Mike Schmitz and others, a lot of people actually have talked about his versatility, right? He's a guy who's going to be able to play on ball and off ball. Yeah. Something that I noticed while watching him play off ball that I, that I loved and I wrote here, love how he gets to his spots for catch and shoot jumpers. I love that. I yeah. thought he did a really good job of whether it was in transition uh, or just in the half court where when he didn't have the ball in his hands, did a great job of finding his pockets, finding his space, finding his spots without the ball, which is another thing that people don't. But, but Corey, I feel like maybe people don't talk about enough. Like like people talk about getting to your spots with the ball in your hands, but also it's important to get to your spots without the ball in your hands, too. And which is the reason why I love him and I love like Jared Butler and guys like that. They do a great job getting to their yeah. spots off ball. I thought he did a great job of that. And then in terms of like his mid-range shooting, dude, I mean, everyone talks about the step backs and the side steps and stuff. But the thing that I wanted to mention with the step back and the side step with him, it's not just that he was using those things to get separation, but I thought he was using those skills to also find his balance and to square himself up which I thought he did a really great job of, uh, of using the sidestep or, or the step back to get square, to get balance, and the reason why he was such a good shooter. And so, Corey, I wanted to ask you, those are some th like you know preliminary things that I noticed with his shooting. Wanted to hear your thoughts on what you saw. Uh, well, I think you're spot on with the off-ball stuff. And that's going to be of the utmost importance because last year Detroit drafted Killian Hayes. So, you know, it, look, if Killian Hayes is going to amount to anything in this league, and I think everybody realizes he doesn't have that kind of like best player run your team um, kind of talent that, you know, some people thought he had pre-draft, but Killian Hayes could still be good. And, you know, you're going to want Killian Hayes, who's also a very good playmaker, and he showed those flashes this year, to have the ball in his hands because we've seen Killian's shot like is a work in progress to say the least. So you're going to want Killian to play off the ball a little bit, and you're going to want, or on the ball a little bit, and you're going to want Cade to play off the ball a little bit. So the fact right. that Cade um, was so good as a shooter is monumental for, for Detroit, because that allows Killian to play his game a little bit too. And you know what you mentioned, Jared Butler, and I was going to bring Jared Butler up too. And even Davion, I thought got really um, good at, at this, this year as well. Like it's give the ball up, and relocate like don't give the ball up and stand around it's the getting open and uh creating those off-ball opportunities that you mentioned you know it's it's making the quick read and then moving to the open spot and i think Cade's really good at that and those catch and shoot jumpers are 
are going to be huge for him uh, because, you know, like we said, he's going to, he's going to be the focal point of the offense. So anytime that you can get, you know, kind of those easy looks off ball, it's going to be important for him. And so I'm a big believer. And, and then as far as like the on, on the ball shot creation stuff, what I love about him is like you said, like even when he's taking difficult shots, he does manage to kind of square up and, and get good looks off. But even when he isn't, he's a tough shot maker. Yeah. And, and tough shot making is like the most valuable skill. It's what everybody loves in, in Jalen green, right? It's, it's what all of the elite scorers have. It's what we saw Jason Tatum do at Duke that, you know, was the thing that everybody liked about him. Uh, you know, cause obviously we slept on Jason. I mean, I, I was always a Jason Tatum over Josh Jackson guy. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought Fultz was the legit number one guy. And I just think, Damn. you know, that was, that was a, a, a weird situation, but you know, the thing with Tatum is everybody was like, yeah, he's not really at, at that athletic, you know, because when you looked at the other small forwards in the draft, it was Josh Jackson. And then like Jonathan Isaac was even a guy like up in that range that there was conversation with. So like, and, and, Tatum's athleticism didn't look as flashy as either of those guys. And I think Cade is the same way. Like I think Cade's athleticism is getting underrated, you know, because he is capable of putting you on a poster. And the other thing is like his change of speed to get to his spots is something I love about him. And like I said, like he sees the game so he can play slow, but it's not slow. It's just patient. It's, it's playing with pace and then he's able to kind of go from slow to, to quick. And it may not be, like we said, that blazing first step, but it's the change of pace at his size. That's it's really devastating. And it's, it's one of the ways that he can kind of get to his spot. And then he has the ability to stop on a dime and just pull up. Um, so it's, it's super valuable and he's got, you know, the, the little hezzy that he freezes you with and all he needs to do is freeze you for, you know, a 10th of a second. Oh. And it's too much space. So, you know, his shooting, I think it's going to be lethal. I, I mean, I look at him and, and as a scoring prospect, like I think he's a better scoring prospect than Tatum was at Duke. Mm. And that was Tatum's bag. And Tatum now is looked at as one of the young pros, you know, players in the league that you would start your franchise with. Right. The difference is, is I think Cade has coming in the playmaking chops that people are still waiting for Tatum to develop. So if you were telling me though, right, let's, let's forget about the playmaking. Let's forget that Cade has, you know, a super high IQ. Let's forget that he can make the weak side hits already. Let's forget the live dribble passing. And let's just say that he was this scorer shooter type. Let's say he's Jason Tatum. Okay. Would Jason Tatum not be in conversation for the number one pick in this draft if we knew what he if that that was what you were getting? He would still be in the conversation. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. Right, like so. Yeah. I, you know, to me, like you yeah. know, that that's also one of the things. Like even without the passing, if he was just a a, a potential like league leading scorer in this draft. Right. Who does has the versatility to guard multiple spots? To me, he's still the number one pick, even if you took away the playmaking. Um, so, and that's to say, and again, he has it. So, well, well, then Corey, maybe this is a good transition to talk about that playmaking because, dude, I mean, mm, once again, like the assist to turnover ratio stuff, like I get it, I get it, I get it. I know why people are throwing that in there, but really quickly, like as a passer, and dude, I know, like I'm ready to hear what you have to say. Um, the touch and the vision. I mean, a, a lot of it was silly, dude. Like yeah. we're talking about an NBA where teams just love spread, pick and roll. Um, and he's going to be so good at that. Like some of his passes, dude. Like, okay, Corey. One thing that I noticed for sure that I thought was really interesting. You know how like a lot of people do that thing where you you have a live dribble and then you're you're gonna throw a no look pass, but you wait so long that people know that the no look pass is coming and then it gets intercepted. Yeah, uh, Cade never has that problem. Like when he throws a no look pass, he's not waiting ten years to throw it. He knows exactly where it's going. The timing is perfect almost every single time. And dude, Corey, the weak side stuff, holy crap! Like just you have to throw it over people. You have to time it right. You yep. have to anticipate the length of the weak side defender. You have to anticipate 
so many different things and to yep. then deliver a perfect ball like Kay does that so freaking well that it's terrifying dude it's really really terrifying and then just in the pick and roll like the, the passes that he was throwing to the bigs and you know they weren't finishing some stuff and stuff like that so he just didn't get credit for but a lot of the stuff is just like where did those passes come from it was kind of like it, it, it just it, like he was he was finding angles that other people weren't and so for me when it comes to Cade and just to your last point about the whole Tatum thing like he literally might be Jason Tatum with elite passing and that's a terrifying prospect that's which terrifying. just goes back it just goes back to the whole umbrella point of this pod. Like, what are people thinking? Like, uh, uh, sorry, I don't want to. Uh, let's not be a hater here. I, I won't be a hater. But that's why he's so special. And so, Corey, just wanted to hear your thoughts on his passing because, goddamn, I thought he was really, really special. Yeah, I mean, I feel like pe- some people think that just looking at the stats and the fact that, you know, he didn't have this monster playmaking season. Um, and again, like, I you know, it, I don't think he's going to be LaMelo ball as a playmaker necessarily. I think he's more score first in that regard. Um, he just has the playmaking mixed in, but I feel like people think he's Trey man as a playmaker, mm. you know, he, I feel like, but he has the natural playmaking gene and he's always had it. And uh, I, I think that like, even going back to high school at Montverde, like he played with Scotty Barnes and Daron Sharp and Moses Moody. And like, he knows how to set the table for his teammates. And and you talked about the kind of reads that he was able to make. And like, I'm already envisioning him in Detroit, like coming off a pick and roll with Isaiah Stewart, who sets a mean screen. You know, I'm not trying to take a beef stew screen mm. and he's coming off. Isaiah Stewart is rolling hard to the rim. The weak side tag has to come down and, and help on Isaiah Stewart and Cade firing off a weak side hit to Sadiq Bay Sadiq in the Bay. corner for an open three. Like I already picture it. It's going to be fucking oh, yeah. beautiful. So he's got all of that. I mean, it's like, again, I'm not overthinking the playmaking. If you just watch and you see the flashes, you see the stuff that's going to translate. Yeah. Is he going to be come in and be a perfect playmaker? No, there's going to be an adjustment. Even for great rookies, there's the adjustment to be made as a playmaker and he'll make some shoddy decisions and Mm -hmm. he'll, you know, he'll make some plays that NBA defenders are going to be able to recover to. But in general, like you said, like that's where you want to, you want to see him try that stuff you want to see those mistakes early on and you want to see his brain work like a computer to fix those mistakes so when it's time for detroit to actually contend he's already worked out all of the things and he's able to come in and just fucking ball out right away so i'm willing to see some of those early errors i think it's going to be beneficial you know because he's got just the natural abilities already and he's got the iq and he's got the pedigree i mean one of the things i want to talk about you know we talked about it with Suggs, like he has some of those intangibles, don't you think? <laughs> he does, Corey. I, and I mentioned it before. Like one of one of the intangible pieces that I mentioned is that he's a he doesn't close games. He ends them, right? Yeah. Because like, yeah, you could say that like, hey, this guy is a you, you you know you can you could play him. You know, he can close games, and that means he can play at the end of the game. Doesn't mean he's always going to win them. Like I think with Kate, he's a game ender. I, I think that's a gene. There's a clutch gene in him where he's not afraid of the moment. People love talking about the fact that he didn't have a great uh, tournament. And my thing is, did you watch the Big Twelve tournament? You want to talk about tournaments? The the tournament that he had in the Big Twelve against, as you mentioned, the national champion Baylor. Baylor, what are they? Golden Bears or just Bears? Right, just the Bears. Bears. Okay, my bad. But uh, <laughs> I thought he had an unbelievable Big 12 tournament. Uh, he had a lot of great games. I thought he he was massive for them. And I'm just like, you, you want to talk about intangibles? That's one of them. I love the um, the film breakdown that he did with Mike Schmitz. Like when he was talking with, with, with him about, I was like, wow, this guy is an unbelievably cerebral player. He's really smart. He's really sharp. His mind is thinking on multiple levels, which also speaks to the playmaking that we talked about, Corey, and the IQ. He just, his spatial awareness is fantastic. His, 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 his desire and demeanor to, I think, know the rhythms and the movements and the anticipation of his teammates, I think is really impressive and also like a really nuanced thing about his game that I think is really important. So yes, intangibles wise, I, I think the fact that he is, like, I don't know. I saw a little Derrick Rose in him, too, in these games where he wasn't, like, getting too high or too low. You mm-hmm. know, like, he's, yeah. he stayed very stoic. Kawhi. And I thought that, 
Yeah, I really like that about his game. And it wasn't robotic either because in big moments, he was getting ferocious. Like at the end of that Baylor game, I remember he like ripped a one-hand rebound and was just like screaming. And he was like, let's go. And he was ready. And he went to go shoot his free throws. I think he missed one. But regardless, like, you know, there there is a clear intangible. Um, the, the intangibles are there with Cade is what I want to say. And I think that that just adds to, to the excitement about him as a prospect. Yeah, he exudes confidence. He knows that he was born to be a superstar NBA player. And he carries himself that way. And it's not arrogance. It's confidence. You know, and and that's what all of the all-time greats have. They have that gene in them that says, like, I am an alpha. I am the guy. And for a number one guy like Cade, it's important. And he has, you know, I, I think he's going to hear all of the people questioning him. And because it's hard for a guy like Cade, who's been anointed for so long, to, it's play, it's hard for these guys what kind of chip are they going to have on their shoulder, right? I think Cade is taking all of this stuff that he's hearing about his play this year, and he's got that fuck you in him, and he's just building that chip. And he's like, yeah, you you think so? You're questioning this? Well, watch me. Watch what I'm going to do. Oh, you think mm-hmm. that you think the big man uh, from USC is is a better prospect than me? Fuck off. Watch this. That's what I think he's got to him. And it's one of the things that I think a lot of people believe that Evan Mobley's missing. He Evan Mobley doesn't play like he has a chip on his shoulder. Cade plays with that fuck you, I'm the man attitude in the best way possible. And like you said, he's a game ender. He had multiple games where he hit a game-winning shot or a huge clutch shot. Like he's he's already got that. He's gonna have it in the NBA. He can get it off at any time. And you know, going back to the Schmitz interview, little uh, what's the, the the phrase inside baseball? Um, mm-hmm. and on how you know we we make it. Like, I think we did two parts for Cade. Most mm-hmm. of the time, we go, uh, I cut it down to about twenty five minutes for a prospect, mm-hmm. but he films for an hour. So there's like a lot of stuff that didn't make the cutting room floor, even uh, in in those. And we did. We made that we made Cade's episode like 40 minutes because it was just too good to to not make that long. He just had too much to say. There was too much to show off. It was too important for a guy like Cade. Um, So we went for 40. We did the same thing with Davion Mitchell because there's an intangible. There's just a there's something about Davion, too. But but yeah, he's just got it, man. There's. He just screamed superstar, like everything mm-hmm. about him from his play to his mentality. And the mentality might be, you know, the most important part for a guy like him. Corey, really quickly, I know we touched on it, but I don't think we went super in depth. And I wanted to hear your thing on this. Um, How do you feel about him as a finisher? Because um, I, I was very excited to see him finish at the rim. I thought he had a really, really good touch, but I wanted to hear your thoughts on him because I like, I, I, I thought I watched enough, but like, yeah, anyway, I, I thought he was a good finisher, but I wasn't like, like blown away either. Like I thought he was no. just like a, a solid finisher. So I wanted to get your thoughts on that. Yeah. I mean, I think he was, I think he ended up at like 62% or something at the rim, which is like, it's good, but it's not, like excellent by any means. Mm-hmm. And I, like you said, like, I don't think he was this like lights out finisher. I think he had moments where he showed off some impressive stuff. And then he had moments where you're like, you know, he definitely needs to work on finding maybe a better angle or, or mm-hmm. whatever. But what, you know, something that I kind of like about him is like, he'll get to the rim and he won't give up on the play. Yeah. You know, he's got like that ability to rebound the ball and go back up for an offensive rebound. It almost reminds me of like mellow a little bit. You know, Melo mm. was always like an awesome offensive rebounder because he had that quick second jump. Right. Um, and and I feel like Cade has a little bit of that. And the other thing, like, yeah, Cade isn't Jalen Green as as an athlete. You know, right. like, uh, I mean, look, you don't have to search hard to find a an end game between the legs dunk from Cade. You you know that <laughs> happened, but uh, he's not gonna like. He's probably not gonna be in a dunk contest. He's a good athlete. Mm. So I you know I I think that you know, his finishing, especially just because he gets to the free throw line. And to me, like, that's something that boosts your efficiency at the rim. So even on plays that he's not finishing, he's going to get fouled on a lot. I'm out, I think that there's definitely room for improvement. You know, the things I think Same. he would, he needs to work on are, are tightening up the handle and then, you know, becoming elite around the hoop. But I think he's going to be, you know, more than adequate from the jump 
uh, around Newt. It's just something he'll continue to get better at as he gets even stronger than he already is now. Yeah, I agree with you, man. I agree with you. I, yeah, I, I, the reason why I asked was because I, I think we were thinking of the same thing. I, I just feel like, yeah, it, 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 once again, his strength. His strength is going to be a big yeah. part of that and just accentuate a lot of things. And we love the free throw shooting. So, yeah, really, really just damn. So excited, man. So, so freaking excited for this guy. One last thing that I, I, I'm i sure we're going to transition, but one last thing that I wanted to throw in there. I loved how quickly he processed things in transition. Yeah. Um, I thought he made so many great decisions in terms of knowing when to pass and when to shoot. And like, it, it was just really special to me to see how quickly he could process things. Um, yeah. I, and I love like, like Jalen Suggs, I thought he did a really good job of pushing the pace and like playing at a great pace where he wanted to do uh, a lot of that. Um, yeah. Yeah. I just wanted to throw that in there. I, I really loved him in transition. Yeah. He's awesome in transition. I mean, it, you know that I think that's the easiest time for young players to make plays. Mm-hmm. So, um, and again, I think he's going to be an excellent half court creator. I have, oh, yeah. you know, I, I have no doubts of that. But transition, like that's a thing that you just see. Like these guys, there's more room. He's he's able to make like tremendous like passes through tight windows right. on the bounce. Like there's he's you know he's he's awesome in transition. I think as a scorer um because he could he's going to be versatile in transition because he makes the plays as a passer but then he's also going to be a guy that can you can run the floor on the wing and he could finish at the rim and then he can also serve as a trailer and space up and space you know the floor as a shooter and he could spot up he could he's going to be a monster uh in transition um yeah let's transition to the defense though because you know Mm -hmm. we haven't really we touched on it a little bit but uh what stood out to you about Kate on the defensive end the wingspan stood out to me yeah um it's it's seven feet but it's it's seven feet where he's using all seven feet that's something that i like to talk about a lot where i think there are certain guys who have long wingspans but don't know how to use it i thought kate did a really good job of that i like him on the defensive boards i love that he was there that he was willing that he was engaged doing that um i think on the ball off the ball he was not perfect I don't want to say that he was a perfect defender because that would be crazy. Um, yeah. I think he was pretty gassed um, from all the stuff and the just the straight up workload that he was bearing offensively that, you know what, there are certain possessions that weren't so pretty. Certain possessions sure. that, you know, <laughs> left you going, uh, that wasn't so good. But um, I think for me, like the the thing that I tried to do and, you know, like honestly, people might be like, oh, you're just trying to gas him because you love him. But like, I feel like you have to take it into context once again. And I think his defense would be better on NBA court. It's like, So people say, if you don't defend in college, how are you going to defend in the NBA? And my thing is, well, he's going to have better teammates in the NBA where offensively he maybe won't have to carry so much of the burden and he'll be able to offer more defensively because there's stuff there defensively. I don't think he has the fastest feet. Um, I, I didn't see that, but I think he has, <laughs> sounds weird. I think he has willing feet. Uh, he has <laughs> active feet, you know, where he really yeah. does try. Uh, once again, uses a wingspan well. I think he has good um, instincts. I think even off ball, there were times where he used his anticipation well with his length excuse me his length and anticipation well as an off-ball defender um i don't know if maybe Corey, maybe i'm just missing this but i i don't think i saw too much like at the rim um like help side stuff i i wish i saw a little bit more as if as, like like we saw with jalen suggs but you know overall i think my overall impression of him as a defender was it was good or it will be good is kind of where my mind is is more of a projection than uh, wanting to put like a final stamp on him defensively. And I think he'll be better on the next level is kind of what my gut tells me right now. Yeah. I mean, he wasn't a hundred percent locked in all the time. And again, you mentioned it. I think it's because he had such an, uh, a big offensive load that like he was resting a lot of times and you see that out of NBA players, maybe not as many or not as often as like, college basketball players because uh, it's a little bit different game, but I felt like sometimes he was resting. There are times where, you know, he'd get backdoor cut, but it's definitely not because he's like oblivious or uninterested. Like for the most part, I did think he was engaged. I just didn't think that he was going all out defensively the way that, you know, we saw Davian, like he he's got, like you said, willing feet, but he doesn't have the quick feet that Mitchell has, but what he has that Mitchell doesn't, he's got the measurements. He's got the wingspan. He's got, um, you know, the, the ability to close tight spaces in, in 
you know, split seconds because of that. And I thought when he was locked in, like at the end of games, like in clutch time, or even like maybe somebody scored on him in the previous possession and he was really like locked in, it was like clamps. He has that ability, like, hell yeah, you know, I'm gonna when it's when it's on and it's time to go, like, you're not getting an easy bucket. And for as many like big moments as he had on offense, he had as that many moments on defense. And that's why you called him a game ender because he had huge plays defensively, huge blocks at the end of games, you know, just huge possessions where you were like, wow, like he is going to be a two way guy in the clutch at the end of games too, where he can go and, and get a stop against like, he could check Luca at the end of a playoff game, you know, like he's going to be that kind of guy if need be, obviously, you know, he's probably going to, he won't start on a guy like Luca, but if he gets switched onto him at the end of a game, you're not going to be like, Oh no, he's on an Island. What are we going to do? He's going to be able to, to grind it out. So yeah, I don't expect him to be a defensive player of the year. He's not going to be, uh, you know, Giannis kind of two-way MVP kind of guy, but right. I do think that he's not going to be a liability. And when, it, and, and when it matters, it's it's on. Yeah. Yeah, dude. The the game ending thing is real, man. I just, uh, I love him. I love him, dude. And as once again, the rebounding thing, I love it rebounding too. Like he just, yeah. and also he uses his strength. We talked about the strength on the offensive side. He uses his strength on the defensive side too, 100%. which is why, you know, we're talking about bigger players, stronger players on the next level. And that strength is going to be a huge asset to him once again so he, he averaged almost one block a game 1.6 steals like his defensive right. metrics were really good he's going to be a versatile defender i think that you could switch him on to literally any position i think he can guard one through five again i'm not saying he's going to be a guy you want playing center right but like nba teams play a switching scheme and i think that like his instincts around the rim the way he rebounds like and just his strength and ability to wall up, especially as his body matures. Like, I think he's going to be able, one of those guys that like, all right, you can't go small because if we switch, like I'm there and I can, I can play this way. Yes. Yeah. I agree, dude. <sighs> all right. If you're buying, if you're buying stock in Cade, who may you have bought stock in previously? See, the thing that I was annoyed with is like, I, I thought of this pretty early in the game and then everyone else said it on TV. And so now I just sound like I'm copying them, but whatever. <laughs> um, I initially thought of Grant Hill and the reason why I yeah. thought of Grant Hill and hey, and it makes sense, Corey, because I mostly do the 90s guys anyway. So sure. it's pretty on brand for me. So uh, I thought of Grant Hill because of this, because if you if you think back to Grant Hill pre-ankle massacre, um grant hill was a dog man grant hill, like, grant hill awesome. dude grant hill was not just like some like flimsy wing like people just remember the injured version of grant hill sometimes like grant hill was a dog and he was nasty and he was ferocious and he was a guy that was unafraid and such a gifted offensive player you know like the handle the athleticism the scoring like grant hill really had it all and that that's why i i thought of that and you know like grant hill i think in our day now would have been a little bit bigger too like just like mm -hmm. muscularly i think he would have been a little bit more built like kate is right now and so that's why i, I immediately thought of grant hill when i first started getting into kate like this was like what six eight months ago i don't remember um and so, yeah, for me, I think it's Grant Hill. That's where my mind goes to even now. Um, and the, the Tatum thing, I think, because the shoulders is why I think of Tatum. But, yeah, for me, I've, I saw a lot of Grant Hill, and I was kind of that's kind of why I was so into him. Yeah, that, I mean, that one, I think, is the one that jumps off the screen, especially now because there's the serendipity of him becoming a uh, Detroit Piston, just like Grant did. That's but, um, yeah, I, I always thought, you know, like, because he was such a good shooter or he became such a good shooter that, that the Tatum thing jumped off the screen. And I actually got a little bit of crap for that when I mentioned it in my video from some people. And now it's like one of the most common comparisons. I love, um, you know, the low end, like, you know, my guy, Mike uh, Schmitz says, you know, said like Chris Middleton's kind of like his floor. And that's like a high ass floor. Number two on a championship team who's a multiple time all-star. It's high ass floor. And I agree with them. Um, but it's the marriage of like that kind of 
archetype with like the playmaking and the size. And that's why he's going to get compared to Luca. So I think if you had, if Tatum and Luca had a baby, Ooh. if they banged it out, then, Tuka. then, uh, yeah, you get, you get, you get Tuca, uh, you get Cade, you know, I, I think, and it's not to say that he's going to be twice as good as these guys. Like, I just think that he, you merge their play styles together and it's lofty expectations, but I'm okay with it. Cause I think Cade's a kind of talent that could live up to it. You know, he's not the a questionable number one. I think he's a number one in just about any draft that you have. I even think that like, if you, if you were not necessarily concerned about like marketing and whatnot, like if you put him in the Zion draft, I think there's a conversation. I don't know if, I don't know if he goes number one. I think Zion still goes number one because his college season was fucking unbelievable and his athleticism and his marketability. But I think there would be a conversation for it. Mm -hmm. So I, in, in just about any draft, I think he's a number one guy. And I think that if for some reason he doesn't go number one in a few days, I think it, we're going to look back the same way in a few years that we did at the Luca draft and just be like, how did we overthink this thing? Like, obviously, this was the the direction the league was heading in. Like, how did we overthink this? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And you mentioned the Zion draft. You're right. I think it would be a conversation. And then uh, on top of that, he would be, if Zion did go number one, he's easily number two. Like, I don't yeah. even think it's close between him and Ja. So. No. That just speaks because we we speak about that draft as if it was such a strong draft, you know, at the top with yeah. with John and and RJ, and you throw Cade in there, Cade would have easily been number one. And then you talk about last year, uh, him and Anthony Edwards. I mean, come on, yeah, I it, mean, it, uh... <laughs> there's an argument that any one of the top four guys in this draft goes number one in last year's draft. Yeah, yeah, I I definitely agree with that for sure. And um, yeah, just just to kind of cl- like kind of give my last thoughts on that, like I just I think. The, I mean, the names that we're throwing out there, they're really special names. And I, I think that really speaks to how we feel about Cade and what he's going to be able to accomplish. And then once again, like Corey, I, I did want to throw this in there because I was thinking about this as you were talking and how so much of what you talked about today, Corey, you were saying how like he's going to have to fine tune things and this is what he'll become. And I think sometimes within the exercise, we forget what we're doing and what we're doing is we're projecting. You know, we're projecting yeah. what these kids are going to become. And when you look at the projections for a Cade Cunningham, we're talking about a, a guy who is going to be a star and can potentially become a super, superstar. And so I, I think we kind of have to recalibrate sometimes and realize where they are. As you mentioned, he's 19 years old and try to figure out what they're going to be. And if we're trying to project that with the skills that he already has, he's a really scary prospect. Yeah, he's he's a beast. And I think this is a good time. For you, Albert, to sell me this pen on Cade Cunningham. All right, all right. I'm 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 calling out to uh, what's his name, Troy Weaver, right? The GM of the uh, Detroit Pistons. I'm saying, hey, hello, uh, Mr. Weaver. Uh, my name's uh, Albert, and uh, I've been selling a lot of pens recently. And um, this this is all I want to say. I think you've done a great job of building. Um, not building for I think you've done a great job of adding young talent to your team. You obviously did a great job in the draft last year. My thing is this, do you want to do a better job drafting this year than you did even last year? The easy answer is to take Cade Cunningham at number one. Cade Cunningham is a player who is going to take the rebuilding process of your organization and put it into super speed, into light speed. He's a guy who's going to change things up. He's going to change your culture. A guy, you're going to have a guy who's going to end games for you. If you like winning games, Mr. Weaver, and would like your team to win more games next season and beyond, Cade Cunningham is the easy choice at number one. And I don't think it's really much of a discussion otherwise. So that's pretty much it. Sold. I'm buying Cade stock at number one. Cade is the blue chip of blue chips. Yes, sir. Uh, you, you are not going to be upset paying this premium price for a stock like Cade motherfucking Cunningham. Let's go. All right. And Albert, uh, tell all of our listeners where they can find you on the WWWs. Uh, at the WWWs, you'll find me at Alberto, Alberto T O E Gim, uh, is my handle. I just said toe twice, so people are going to think it's Albert Toto, <laughs> but it's just Albert Toe. 
as well. You find me on Instagram and on Twitter. And um, yeah, my my accounts become sort of like a uh, Professor Tull of a fan account. I'm mostly retweeting Corey's stuff and just a big fan of his content. <laughs> but um, yeah, guys, check us out. Check me out. And um, yeah, that's pretty much it. Yeah, we're gonna we'll, we're gonna convince Albert to do some solo content eventually. <laughs> we're gonna we'll, we'll get that we'll, we'll get him going on that um you can find me at the hardwood mag on twitter and instagram you can find all of your nba draft content yearly on the hardwood herald youtube page uh i'm closing getting somewhat close to four thousand subscribers so maybe wow. maybe before the draft or a little bit after maybe i could hit that and uh let's oh, see yeah. I'm, I'm i'm thinking my, my goal i'm gonna set a lofty expectation my goal for the YouTube channel is by the 2022 draft to hit, to hit 10,000 subscribers. So Easy. if you're a, if you're a listener and you haven't subscribed to the YouTube channel, hit that button, hit that, hit that subscribe button. You know, you're, you're going to enjoy it. It's going to be fun. You can find clips from the draft act NBA uh, draft podcast in video form. You can find long form scouting breakdowns, a lot of miscellaneous stuff. It's going to be a fun time. You should, you should do that. And, um, if you haven't subscribed to this podcast yet, if you're a new listener who's you know prepping for the draft and you're banging out all 30-something episodes of the Draft Act this week because you're a monster, make sure you hit that subscribe button because even after draft week, folks, we're not having an off-season. Oh, we're, yeah. we're bringing you some content, getting you ready early mm. for 2022 as well as some other stuff. We might be going to summer school. There's no oh, way yeah. to know. So make sure you're subscribed to the pod, rate it, leave a comment, and uh, definitely hit us up on the internet so we can talk some draft with you. It's our favorite thing to do. And even though this is our last draft prospect of the season, we're still coming back with Oof. a few more episodes of the podcast this week. So make sure you're tuned in. And if you're at the NBA draft, as we will be, and you see us, come say what up. We're going to be there live at the Barclays Center on Thursday night. It's going to be dope. And until that time, y'all, we out. Peace. Peace.